Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. about 
the the dangers of dating using a dating app. Now, she says she didn't see any red flags, despite the fact (laughs) that he did tell her that he... uh, did not have any communication with his children. He was not allowed to see the children. Now, I don't know what else is a red flag when after five days you decide that you're going to not only invite someone to your house, but then What caught my attention was there was an intentional exit to the bedroom so that they could get intimate. Now, they had never spoken prior to this five days. And uh, they hadn't spoken at all during the five days. No, everything was actually via the dating app and the communication that was on the uh, text. And ladies and gentlemen, we have to be real careful. You know, we've done quite a few stories here on this due time of the dangers of meeting people and before you really get to know them you are now at somebody's house now oh boy you know it's it's almost like what do you say i'm going to be honest it's, it's almost like well what do, what do you say do you really you know in my head with all of the dangers that are lurking out here in this world that we hear about on a regular basis do we really have to do we really have to say do not meet somebody and go to their house before you even know them well clearly the answer is yes because in all that chatting that was going on She did not know that back in 2020, he was arrested on a murder charge in connection with a fatal shooting, and uh, he was actually let go for lack of evidence. Now, you don't have an opportunity to mention all of this, if you will. You don't have an opportunity to mention all this in five days, because you surely are not going to give this information via no text. Yeah. We're surely not going to get a whole lot of information about anybody in five days, even if you're talking. Now, unless you're talking to this person 24 hours a day for the five days, you're really not going to get a whole lot of information. And, you know, there was no way you could have known enough about the person to decide that this was the one you wanted to get intimate with. I mean, if you're talking about on a normal basis, that, that that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about on a quickie basis, someone who is quick to uh, 
get involved with someone. That that's what we talk about. Because if you're talking about, you know, enough time to get intimate, then clearly for the two of them, this was enough time to get intimate. So in my opinion, this was almost like, you know, a call girl move. I'm sorry. That that's the way I see it. I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to meet you. You don't have to do anything for me before I speak to you via text and invite you over for dinner. We look at a movie and we go and we hit the bedroom. That mm, that sounds like a quickie move. That sounds like something that's arranged. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, because it doesn't necessarily mean that it always has to be, you know, the male aggressor, please, 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 let's be smart. Because even if this had not been a dating app, but this was somebody who you were, you know, introduced to, you know, somebody who invited you out that you met. We had a story of someone who met someone in person. And yet, it was not too soon for her to hit the person's apartment. So, you know, please take this as a warning for us not to get involved in this manner too quickly. Because it just might mean your life. Okay? Alrighty. Well, today is Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. And we are back to My Two Cents. Yes! Yes, yes, a little sooner than I wanted. But hey, Kingdom Business is back on BET Plus, and I actually want to review it as it's airing. I don't want to do it like we did it before, where we were behind. Not the worst thing in the world, but you know, I wanted to do it while it was on the TV. So, we're going to start that cycle today so you know if you knew if you heard the announcement then maybe you were able to uh, jump on in and see the first two episodes that we're going to cover today and uh, I gotta tell you they actually got started off on an interesting note. So, uh, we got some stuff to talk about. Mm. So, are you ready? I hope so. Alrighty. So, go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go and tell somebody that it's due time when Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do. Make sure you go nowhere because we will be right back.
I'm Talia. As the mother of two young children, there is nothing closer to my heart than the health of our babies. That's why I'm asking you to help put an end to premature birth. Each year, more than 15 million babies are born too soon, and more than 1 million will die. Visit facebook.com slash worldprematuritytoday to find out how you can make a difference in your community and around the world. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Let's Talk About It Tuesday, Church Folk Day. Giving God thanks that we're able to be on and be together. And it is my two cents season. Yes, we are reviewing Kingdom Business Season 2. But before we do that, I wanted to take a quick second to do a little recap on the first season. Now I'm just going to throw some stuff out there. So it starts off with our girl Rebel. And She's an exotic dancer, and her and her friend, it shows their relationship and, you know, how they are getting along really quickly. We don't see a lot of her girlfriend, Danny, before her girlfriend, Danny, gets killed. And she ends up at the funeral singing a song and it goes viral and it's hosted the funeral is hosted by this powerful Jordan company family who owns a record label and a huge church and the uh Madame, <laughs> yeah, Miss uh, Danita Jordan, played by our Yolanda Adams. She is now challenged by this rebel, and uh, she's not too happy with this. And, you know, her son, you know, wants to sign this young lady to the label, and you know, she finds out that, you know, this is an exotic dancer and she feels threatened. And all the while, in the background, the pastor, the son, um, the husband rather, you know, he's got his foot dabbling in a relationship with this Danny who's been killed. And, 
You know, so now they've got a bunch of family secrets that they're trying to hide. They reveal that the powerful couple are not doing too well. So, I mean, it's it's just a whirlwind of occurrences. You know, it's it's a bit challenging to watch as this is a, just like a raw and gritty type of series. And, you know, they do have some cursing. They do have some uh, exotic dancer, you know, scenes and things like that. So it's definitely not for the weak at heart. And, you know, it, it really exposes some stuff that could be going on in the real, you know, church world. And it ended on an interesting note where the pastor who has gone through his challenges of guilt and difficulties facing all of this relationship blues and, you know, his activity that is really unbecoming of a pastor, bishop, where he tries to commit suicide. So that's how the season ends. Not left out a lot of stuff because you're going to have to go back and look at it for yourself. But, again, this is how the season ends with a gunshot. And we come back. Uh, to season two And You know Now we get to see We're kind of behind this You know behind the uh, airing A little bit They started in the beginning of November So they're up to about Episode four Or so And we're Going to recap Season I'm sorry episode one And two today So Let's get this party started. Many of you were able to actually 
join us in watching the first two episodes of the brand new season. But I'm gonna get my girl Shantice on with us to get this chatter started. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you, Pastor? I am well, thank you. I am well, thank you. Ah, so what you gotta start with? What you got to start with? The beginning kind of threw me because, of course, you know, you're looking to see if the bishop killed, you know, if he was successful at killing himself. And that was a cliffhanger from last season. So seeing her at the cemetery and the man carrying in the casket, and it's like, okay. But then they kind of threw it off anyway because the bishop was in the promo pick for this season. So I'm like, well, obviously he yeah. didn't die. So who's in the casket? Who, who's in the casket? And that that little twist was just like a little extra dramatic for me. <laughs> extra dramatic. So, yeah, it was like y'all could have did without all that. Um, and then to see that, you know, it was her who was accidentally shot, so on and so forth. I think they could have let that play out and introduce this next season. Still, even if you wanted it to have that same outcome, but just not with all the theatrics, I think they just get a little extra with that. Um, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot how we kept talking about Yolanda Adams, her, her portraying that character, like how bad her acting was. And now that she was playing the, the whole... Um, you know, having the amnesia and all of that. I think that showed even more than when she was playing her regular character where she was a little more conniving and devilish. I think the acting showed even more now that she's supposed to be nice because she's oblivious to everything now. And it was just like, all right, that's kind of making everything a little extra. Um, but overall, the I think it was okay. I think what brought it down for me was just all of the extra theatrics, like trying to just get past all of that and just focusing on the actual storyline for me. Okay, okay, okay. You know, not as good as it could have been. Okay, okay. Well, let's let's talk about this how we got season two jump-started. And like you said, you know, they started with Yolanda Adams at a grave site alone and holding this flower. And, you know, again, like you said, they showed, you know, the pallbearers bringing in the casket. So you would automatically believe that, you know, um, the bishop, who shot himself, he was killed. Now, I thought mm-hmm. it was very, very poor promotion for them to actually have him in the promo pick, like you said, for season two. I was like, well, what kind of dumb stuff is this? That right. means that right. he didn't die. And you right. never, you never, and you know, we are movie buffs. 
You never see this. You never, ever, 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 ever see this. They do not give away anything in your promo pick. Now, for me, it would have been nothing for you to have taken a few promo picks. So, in other words, take uh, an initial promo pick without the bishop and then take subsequent pictures with him and for the upcoming features and 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 uh, things like that um uh don't show him in the picture not only that i yeah. actually saw a little piece of the promo cut you know for the uh you know upcoming in the slides and i'm like why are they showing yolanda adams in a hospital with her head wrapped up Tell me, I don't remember. I'm like, boy, leave it to black people to just throw the whole thing. That was just stupid. I'm sorry. That was just dumb. That was just dumb. That was just dumb. So it was, to me, a killer, you know, promo. I was like, that's dumb. So here we are. You know, they they then showed that, you know, she mistakenly gets shot, you know, as the daughter recaps what happens you know, at the uh, at the church, so she mistakenly gets shot when the daughter tries to stop the father from shooting himself. So, here, thus we end up in the hospital. She ends up with amnesia. So, you know, now she doesn't know. And I think I agree with you. I it was almost like, okay. She ain't, I don't know, it was something about this amnesia thing that wasn't getting to me either. And I was like, okay, this is just, yeah, it was like, okay, you know, it was, that was a little much. So, you know, this is how, you know, we got started uh, back into season two, you know, I give it a five, you know, on a scale of one to ten. You know, it could have been worse. It could have been better as to how we enter back into season two without losing the bishop. Or if you want to say it the other way, with keeping the bishop, you know, in the, in the um, you know, season. So... You know, now you have, you know, everybody coming up and, you know, expressing their, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, express, expressing how sad they are that, you know, she's, you know, ill and hurt and all of this stuff. Because remember, she's supposed to be this big uh, gospel diva. So right. that's how we get started. So I'll, I'll give this a couple of more minutes and then I'll throw in our boy Ainsley and see what he's got to say about all of this because we've got two episodes to actually recap. So I'll give you a couple of minutes to continue on. You know, don't forget now, 516-387-1358. If you want to call in and give your two cents, we welcome you to join the conversation. And uh, what you got to say, Shanti's about how we move forward in this beginning. Uh, okay, so now, 
like you said, the daughter explained what happened to the brother Taj. Um, you know, and again, leaving season one with Taj and the girlfriend, you know, they're expecting their first child. And I was like, oh, right, that drama there. Um, was that the highlight for, for the first episode for me was when CJ, the daughter, said, you know, to the father, grandma and grandpa on the way up. I remember Luke Gossett Jr. being the father, but of course, you know, they never showed who the mother was, who Danita's mother was. So when Loretta Devine stepped off the elevator, I was just like, oh, goodness, I love her. I love her. She is one of those actresses that, like, when she brings the theatrics, she, it's acting, you know? It's different from when I was saying, like, all of the extra stuff, you know, they started with with this this first episode. Um, She definitely brought a different element and helped for this first episode to go along with, um, you know, how is everything going to move forward? Because remember, they, the family was in debt. And I forgot about Caesar, you know, wanting to have this lawsuit against Danita because she didn't give him any credit for all of the music that he actually wrote and produced. Um, so now she's there like, okay, mama's here, damage control is in effect, and so, so on and so forth. And I, I like the dynamic between the parents, between her parents, Loretta Devine and Lugasa Jr. I, the father had me laughing the entire episode because he was so over the husband. Like, I'm just ready to get you up out of here. You've been making me sick for years, and now I can finally say and do what I've been wanting to say and do all these years because now this has happened. So I really, really enjoyed that dynamic. And to understand why Danita is the way she is because look at her parents. You know, this was an arranged marriage, you know, because everything was about image. Everything was about how the church is going to look and how the church is going to be ran. And so you're our daughter, so you're going to marry this man, and this is how we're going to push y'all forward into all of this. And, you know, just just to see all of that was just like, wow, this explains a lot. It, it explains a lot. I, I really like whoever did the casting for the parents were on point. Because that, I yeah. really like the dynamic things and the grandchildren, and it, it was funny. Okay, all righty. Well, it's time to bring our brother Ainsley on, see what he's got to say about all of this Kingdom Business Season 2, Episode 1. Good morning, Brother Ains. Hey, good morning, Pastor Steph. Good morning, Shantese. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm up. I'm up. Good. I'm up. And I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, what do you think about, you know, this whole beginning of season two? You know, I, when it started, I was like, okay, Expecting to see the front row for the bishop because last season it ended with him shooting himself. I think we all heard the gunshot, so I'm waiting to see the front row and the boo-hoo. And then after a while I realized, okay, this is our 
soap opera, cinematic Christian soap opera kind of stuff, right? Right. Because now right. I'm like, okay, all right, wait a minute. How come there's only one person at the funeral? All right, <laughs> then you start to see. <laughs> you know, and then when she looks on the tombstone, she sees her name. You're like, what the heck is going on? And then you see the whole drama. So, all right, they, I realize this is what they do. This is how this is how this is how this show goes and whatnot. I gotta say though, it's good cinematography um, and stuff like that. It's just certain things you realize. Like, this is how they roll. And so I was like, oh, now, I didn't see the promo. I didn't see the promo. So okay. um, I, I I was totally thrown thrown by that. But what caught my mind, it was like, oh, they got to keep their actors going. They, you know, because you, I, I want my contract. I got to I got to eat. But they ain't going to let him go. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so it's a lot of, I don't have my note quite with me, but I, I do remember quite a few, quite a few different things, though. Um, <laughs> it's kind of sad. Okay. You know, you know, there's some, there's some strong, a little strong language. Um, <laughs> I got, I don't know. It's kind of messed up. He tried to commit, he tried to shoot himself, but then wound, wound up shooting his wife. And the police captain, the, the captain commander, yeah, yeah, the <laughs> he was like, the next time you try to kill yourself, yeah. don't, you know, <laughs> don't yeah. mess it up. You know, um, I don't know how far you want to go, but I think, I totally believe that amnesia is fake. I mean, she, maybe she forgot oh. something, but she really know what, she's, she knows what's going on. And some wow. church for what's that girl Sasha? Oh my God, man! Yes, ain't she yes, Tim O'Brien? I'm gonna pay Tim O'Brien. Yes, <laughs> you know, gonna whisper, you know, to her when she's in the bed. I'm like, now nah, ain't that some stuff right there? And yeah, because <laughs> really, once she said that, um, even though she's supposed to be in a coma. Um, I think I think it was like a blood pressure went crazy high. They said, "Oh, you gotta leave right. out the room," and they gotta give us something to slow <laughs> it down. So that shows you right there mentally. Even though you in a coma, you can't do what you can't do and say what you wanna. But mentally, you're on par. You're like, oh, man, if I can get up crazy. off of this table, <laughs> off of this bed, it's gonna be me and you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, um, that was quite interesting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. And to me, uh, I, I, I caught this. I think this probably is going to play out later on in the um, in this in the season. Season, you know, when they, you know, in the in the waiting room, when um, what, what's the guy? The son's name was it Taj. Taj, Taj, right. So he's there with his girlfriend. Oh, well, he's there with his girlfriend, and then when Rebel call, uh, texts him or whatnot, he can't seem he can't talk or respond to the text while his girlfriend is there. Mm-hmm. I really think there's a I think there's that's something that get to make you go hmm. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. you can't you can't you can't answer this phone call or this text while your girlfriend is there. I'm like, hmm. Okay. You know. Okay. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting. I love, oh man, when I saw Louis Gossett Jr., I'm like, oh, old school getting back on the screen. 
And Loretta <laughs> Devine, you know, she's she, you know she's top notch. Right. <laughs> I love right, when she was right. like, uh, tell the girlfriend, you know, this is a family meeting. Oh. <laughs> Basically, tell oh. the girlfriend. <laughs> Yes. You got yes. to say a nice you got to in a nice way, you got to get you know. She said you gotta leave, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, oh man. So I I love I love I love those characters and whatnot. Um, well, I want to go back. Wait, uh, before you go any further, I want to go back because I want to make sure we stick in uh, episode one. There's a conversation that takes place with. Deacon Kirk, <laughs> I call him Deacon Kirk. That's not his name in the actual show, though. I know you mean. Okay. Um, Dwayne, isn't his name Dwayne? I think. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think his name is the Deacon. Yeah, yeah, Kirk Franklin. Yeah, Deacon yeah. Dwayne. <laughs> um, there's some strong messages here. Now, I, I actually do agree. I just yeah. thought. You know, when the chief was talking to, you know, the husband and he told him, you know, next time don't mess it up in, you know, the explicit version of saying that. I, I get the point. I get, I get the point. As a, as a cuff person, I get the point. But my, I guess I was a little disappointed. I don't know about y'all. I know they did a lot of cursing last season, and I thought maybe with the delay of this particular season it took a little took a little extra minute for them to come out in my opinion you know i just thought that they had maybe discussed this whole cussing thing now despite the fact that the first episode since we're talking about the first episode it was not heavily written like last season with as many cuss words i thought that when they came with these, because like I said, they had some strong messages. One with um, Kirk Franklin. They did not have mm-hmm. to use any explicit words because they had already established who they were. They already had their audience, and they didn't have to try to grab anybody. You know, you you know that they were trying to do this before because now they knew they're trying to you know do. Uh, the gritty thing, they're trying to do, quote, unquote, the reality thing, you know, yeah, people, you know, th- this is the world that, you know, you were crossing into with Rebel being the, you know, um, exotic dancer and, you know, the, the the caliber of people that you were dealing with and so forth and so on. But I thought that it when he cursed, I was like, oh, we'll be back to this again. And then when Kirk Franklin was talking to the pastor and he gave you know this 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 level of advice i really thought at that point that you really did not have to because the message was like really really good and i'm going to start with you shantise on the um the message from kirk franklin please refresh my you brought it up and i'm like oh my goodness please Please remind me of what the message was because I've completely drawn a blank. Okay, okay. All right, so I don't want to say it first. Ainsley, do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought it was kind of deep, too. I thought it was kind of deep. He said, but, but basically, he said, um, you can't atone for your... He said he was wrong. Yeah. Oh. 
And he said, you know, you can't atone for your sins. Well, guess why you, you, you why you if you're dead, basically, they right, atone right. while you're alive. You know what I'm saying? You want a redemption. You don't get redemption, you know, in death like that, you know. Well, how he said it, though, um, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but I got his way he bent. And it was deep and whatnot. And because it made you think if anybody who's kind of going through that kind of situation, like, mm-hmm. okay, this, this is not this is not the way. That really was a really deep, right. that really was a really deep part right there. And I was like, ooh, okay. And I was thinking along yeah. the same lines like you, Steph, you know, with the um, – the profanity, and then, so, because, you know, for me, uh, for me here, my wife, you know, she don't like anything with, um, they got profanity in it and whatnot. She okay. Gets, okay. She'll try to mute it, and then it'll come back on. If it's keep if it's constant, she ain't watching it. So, uh, and stuff like So, I thought I could see, okay, watch it. Let me find where the curse first at. And then if you watch, I can watch it with her, and I can try to mute it. For, for the curse word. Okay. But, um, so I hear what you're saying. Uh, but I'm like, I think they probably is going like, well, this is just our style, you know, is not completely laden, but I guess for realism, it's in the, like how normal people will talk, like, like you hear in the street. But, um, yeah, I wish it, it didn't quite have it as much and stuff. But that, that definitely is a good message. Um, from uh, our Deacon Kirk, well, I mean, um, yeah, Deacon Kirk. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. We'll call him Deacon Kirk. Uh, Shanti, <laughs> do you remember now the message? Yes, yes, yes I remember because I, I liked how he asked him first. Do you, do you understand that what you did was wrong? Mm-hmm. And I like I like that he started with that because you know now you're. You're showing that you're holding him accountable, but instead of just coming out like, that was stupid, that was dumb, why would you do that? You know, but understanding, because these are two spiritual people speaking, you know, so mm-hmm. I should be able to, to ask you this question without being too aggressive, but letting you understand that I know that you know that this is wrong. You know, and then for them, for him to say, you know, you can't atone for your sins by you know, killing yourself, nothing is going to be solved when you're dead. How, how are you going to repent? How do you expect God to forgive you? If if he allows you to be successful, because we understand that we can make all the attempts we want, unless God says, I'm ready to close your eyes. We, so if I want to jump off a bridge and break all, all um, legs, both legs and both arms, then I'm going to just have to live with two broken legs and two broken arms. But I, it definitely, agree with Brother Ainsley, it definitely spoke values for anyone who is contemplating suicide, especially anyone who is a child of God that is contemplating suicide. You know, because we, we understand that if you're in the world and you don't have a concept of who God is and your hope isn't in Jesus, you know, it's a, a lot more understandable as to why suicide would be your way out. You know, but for those of us who have a relationship with God, you know, it's like, it, was this really a consideration? Like, what are you doing? Because you understand, you know, regardless of what you've done, as bad as your circumstances are because of what you've done, you know that when you go to Jesus and you truly repent, 
and you stay before God and ask him to help you through it, we have that hope of knowing that it can be done. doesn't mean we may not have to suffer some consequences, but we know that it can be done. So how and why was this really a consideration for you? And the way you tried to do it, you didn't even try to do this by yourself. This was now put on for everyone to view. So it, it, it was definitely a great message to send to the saints who are currently contemplating, you know, taking that route as to this is how I'm going to deal with my issues. All righty. Thank you. We're going to come back to that and, and explore that um, that issue a little bit more later in this conversation. There's another area I want to talk about where the bishop cusses out the, the son-in-law. And... <laughs> This was really, really an interesting dynamic to actually watch go on. And, you know, I'm going to come back. I, you know, I just, I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to come back to that when we talk about the suicide thing. But, you know, let, let's, yeah, I think I'm going to come back to that because I think I'm going to connect those two because there's a connection there that I actually want to make. But... Let's talk about this this whole oh gosh i'm I'm jumping into areas where I wanna come back to uh, let's talk about Braddy rebel, oh my goodness gracious there's there's some stuff that we're gonna come back to um regarding that because i I think I wanna nail that with pastor k l hopefully Pastor Jeff will be on with us um you know, because there's some realism and, and some, some reality that we've got to face here in in our roles in the church and, you know, our role as, you know, um, uh, Christian people. But I want to talk about Braddy Rebel. I, I was kind of, she was straight bratish to me, even more so this time. You know, this, this whining about the fact that, you know, she... You said that, you know, my gospel career was over and, you know, I need money. And, oh, my gosh, she got on my nerves. And and, and I did take into consideration that this was someone who's being introduced into, you know, this uh, gospel industry. And, and she now has to understand that your lifestyle, we talked about this last season, you know, makes needs to make a connection. It's not like when you're singing like R and B and hip hop and, you know, all these other genres that there's a connection. Did you find that she was bratty or was it just me, Brother Ains? I'll start with you. Oh uh, okay, maybe you could call it bratty, but I definitely kinda on this I definitely understood. Because if you remember, cause now, because if I'm not mistaken, because her boyfriend left her now, right? Because she right. was, she right. was it. So she don't have that support. So she, to me, she's really all on her own. And I guess without that support, and I guess at one point it looked like her and Taj was kind of maybe about to do something, but then he found out, okay, 
he got um, the, uh, the other girl pregnant, now his girlfriend pregnant. You know, he went that route. So she's really financially completely on her own, and she's in this dry spell, you know. Um, um, and, and, and within, um, and then remember, remember Caesar, he tried to make her, you know, try to clean up her image by trying to make her, you know, the stage, you know, trying to get baptized. And right, she refused, and right, she wound up not doing that. So I give her credit for keeping it real. Like, she ain't really feeling it, and she ain't going to really do it. Right. But, yeah, I guess it's bratty. You can see bratty. But I, I, I can see the point. It's like, okay, look, look, you need money to pay your bills. And um, I guess you, you use, and I guess you're going to fall back to what you're used to. Um, I mean, but I'm like, is there nothing else you really could do? Does it have to be going back to, you know, to the pole? You know, I know they make good money <laughs> and stuff like that. But we got to go back to the go to the pole. And Caesar, you know, and much talking he was doing, he didn't really offer anything, you know, to help to say, okay, how financially she going to tie it over once her um, her gospel career picks up and stuff like that. So um, she got some legitimate concerns there. So she just wasting it. It may seem bratty, but it's real. All righty, all righty, Shantice. Would you know? I said I, I I don't care nothing about anything else. She was a straight brat, um, and I, I'll come back to to my point. But Shanti, do you you know what? How did you see? It? Did you see it, Braddy? Do you see it? You know another way. Yeah, she was a, she was a little annoying. Um, and remembering that this is how she was the entire first season. Mm-hmm. The complaining and the whining and being skeptical and I don't know about this and maybe I'll try it and that's exactly how she started out in this new season and you know completely understanding <laughs> completely understanding um, you know you go from making cash on hand every night no matter how small or how much you make versus now you're literally waiting on a check that already will turn your whole attitude upside down. You know, and I, I think for Caesar, he wasn't prepared to mm-hmm. work with someone like this. You know, work. First of all, you're taking someone out of their element, out of their comfort zone. So already you should have had an airtight plan. And then you're taking someone from the street who knows what it is to make money, who knows what it is to hustle. And now you expect her to wait on money. You know, so there's two different sides of this that he needed to be, you know, needed to make sure right. he was on point with that he wasn't. So, like Brother Ainsley said, I understood the complaint, you know, but it was just like either just walk away or shut up, you know, because after a while <laughs> it just becomes, you know, annoying, even with me understanding. But a lot of that had to do with, Caesar not having a real plan, and now you expect her to be with, oh, well, I got a plan for this, but I got a plan for that. Okay, don't worry, but there's a plan for this. And ain't nobody trying to hear another plan, and ain't no dollars coming through, because it's not right, a plan for right. that. You know, so what, what, what do you expect? Even though it's annoying and she seems bratish, what do you expect now? Yeah, you know, not not dismissing the reality. And the reality, like you both have said, 
You know, she comes from having money, whether it was the support of the boyfriend, whether it was uh, she was able to make her own because, you know, even the support from the boyfriend really came from her not having to spend all of hers. You know, he was like mm-hmm. kind of like that cushion, you know. I ain't got to spend on mine because he was paying the rent, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, definitely understanding, you know, this is a whole switch for her. You know, um, I thought that and you know, you know what? they had me. You know, I mean, you know what? But you know what? You know, when she was talking about going back to the poll, and then we actually saw her go on the poll, you know who I was expecting to see? You know, um, the character, um, the guy who, who's the gossip person on a, on uh-huh. a radio or TV. Oh, yeah, Larry King, I think it is. I yeah, think it's Larry I, 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 I expect, yeah, whatever his name is, yeah. I expect to see him blast, you know, put on blast. Oh, y'all, she back on the pole again, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him. yeah. Yeah, we, um, you know, we ain't got to that part yet. But. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. <laughs> you know, we, we, um, I get my train of thought back. Yeah, understanding that. Caesar, every, nobody was ready. Let, let, let's just let's say it like that. Nobody was ready. She wasn't ready for what it, all that it would take to live in that gospel mode that they were trying to design for her. Caesar wasn't ready for her to actually take a stand and walk off and not complete, you know, what it would, you know, take to get this done. And, you know, for a person who had expectation from her, he wasn't ready because he just kept asking her, you know, I got a, you know, I got a plan, so can you just wait, you know, to the second level, to the next level, you know, just wait. And for a person who's not just accustomed to having their own, but a, just that's just people. People want to see something happening. Now add to it, she's a young girl, she's, you know, she's come from an entirely different, you know, world and element, so forth and so on, and now you're expecting her to hold out. That's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. So not eliminating any of that, straight bradish, and, and I thought that we've been introduced to that already. I thought that we would have seen some maturity in her, there was to be some development in her character. So I guess that's where I'm really coming from, why I was so annoyed with the bratish thing. Because my thing is, all right, you were bratty the first go-round. Now that, girl, you didn't see some stuff, now, now step up, wake up. You know, this has been a minute now, so, you know... Should we have seen, if I saw a little bratty but some maturity, then I would have been okay. I didn't, personally, I saw no maturity at all. It went. It was almost like the, the plan fell through, she got worse. And my thing is, yo, really, you couldn't, there was nothing you could have done to grow. Nothing helped you grow. Now we get to the point where she ends up back on the pole. This is where she defaults to. Because she defaults to what she knows. And I have to say, Shanti said it out loud, and I was like, shh. 
because I was thinking the same thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out to the both of you. I was like, to see her on the pole now was like, oh, my gosh, this look extra trashy. And this was a little harder to swallow than the first go-round. Uh, Ainsley, what are we talking about here? I mean, to see her go back, what did you feel? Yeah, what did because, you think? Yeah, because it's a letdown. It's a letdown. Uh, it's a letdown because you, you hoping you wouldn't see that, see it now, because, like, you figure she got a little taste of, you know, uh, um, of of our faith and whatnot, you don't, you don't hate to see that it's like a it's like a speed, it's a step back, and so it's harder to see it and grasp. It's the same person doing I guess same outfits and she's doing the same thing she did, but it's a letdown for us, you know, because we was we had a high expectation and hope for her, you know. So um, it's a serious letdown. I mean, and and I mean growth wise, well, at least. I, at first, you know, um, I think when T, uh, Taj, he asked her to pray, you know, because he said, I know there's no no love lost between you and my mother, but if possible, maybe you can, you can pray for me. And in and, and my mind then, I was like, my gosh, you can't even pray for the brother. and what, but, but she did say, I did pray, you know, later on, I did pray for you. So, okay, so maybe there is a little bit of growth that, okay, she is <laughs> starting to develop a little bit of a prayer life, <laughs> you know. So maybe there has been, you know, something to, you know, uh, it's not, it hasn't been a total loss, you know, that she has been very little growth, but we, we would want to see more, you know. Okay, so. okay. All right. Shanti's. Seeing her back on that pole, man. What? I mean, after all, I don't know if I don't. I don't think I like expected her to come back. You know, with a vengeance now. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna really try to get this going. But I just think after seeing all of the coaching that she had to, you know, not just become a gospel singer but to better her mentality and then now to see her back on the pole I guess for me that's what had to just be like wow okay we're back to this because it was it was about more than just you being able to sing gospel you know it's about changing your your mindset changing how you view people places and things and one of the things that I was really thinking on too was how she went back begging for a job. And I'm like, so now you just make this whole genre, this whole God world look crazy because I left here to go sing gospel. That's that's what, how everybody's looking at it. And that's what, you know, I, I didn't leave here to go sing gospel, but I ended up pursuing a gospel career. So now this is how it's, it's looking. And now I left you to go to God, but now I'm leaving God to come back to beg to do this. It's just like, girl, this ain't about you. Look at how you're making the the God world look. Look at how you're making not just the music, not but God look like, oh, well, God can't produce. God can't. And, of course, because you're not allowing yourself to understand anything, 
you're never going to see it like that. You know, you're just looking at it as I was going to try something new and it didn't work, so now I'm going to come back to what I know I can do, what I know is going to put money in my pocket right now. And it's just that, as that combined with literally seeing her on the pole, it was just like, oh, gosh, okay. It was like, again, that was almost as deep of a message as what Deacon Kirk was saying. <laughs> How are we now coming back begging? And then I'm sorry. I can't come back and beg nobody in one eye. I just, I'm just looking like, how, how, it would take you to say something like that. It would take you to say something like that. No, for real. Like, and again, I'll understand that maybe it's just me and, and, you know, I view, I view the world differently now, but I'm not coming back to beg you with one eye. How can I even look at you? And, and then you talk about when she said, oh, you're going to make me beg, and he pretty much said, yeah. What? If you don't feed me into the back and give me my locker back, sir, like, stop, all right? Because I, I, if I walk to the left, you're not even going to see me right now, so stop. Like, I, I was just like, this, this, the dust. Oh my again, gosh. the desperation. Wow. Again, the desperation. Desperation. They go that word again. Desperation. It just has you doing too much. As we would say in the streets, mad much. As you're doing mad much right now, where, no. Because he, he knew, you know, you she knew that he knew that that would benefit both of them. And like she said, you know, I, I, I bring the crowd. I draw the crowd. So, yeah, I'm coming back because I need money. But this is going to put more money in your pocket with me coming back. I bring regulars. You know, it's like, oh, please. Well, you know, it, it, it's this is kind of what I was talking about when I said, you know, the bratty part. Okay, so you messed up your career in the gospel industry. Now, whether you understand, understood that you were messing up your career or not, you messed up your career in the gospel because you didn't understand the things that you should do, the things that you shouldn't do, blah, 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 blah. And, and I guess that was the other thing for me. All right. So if you had another skill, now whether you're, I agree with Brother Ainsley, you know, is, that, is that all you can do at this point? Okay. So if that's all you can do is get on a stripper pole, then fine. Then go back, get your job. If you don't even go back to the same place, you're, you're uh, well, I can't think of her stage name, but, you know, you are who you are, which well, everybody. with Chardonnay. 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 So you're Chardonnay. So whether whether you went back to that place or not, you should have been able to draw a crowd. So my thing is, eat it. You you blew it. Eat it. Move on. And and that's where that bratty thing just got on my nerves because I'm like, okay, you know what? In life, you just blow things, and okay, they for you. Just go ahead. And now you're back here where you decide to just kind of go back to what you know, and that's not weird. That's not weird. That's not odd. That's not unexpected. That's what people do all the time. You talk about seasoned, quote-unquote, gospel, uh, I'm sorry, Christian people doing that um, stuff. So her going back actually to the pole was not a surprise, despite the fact that I'm like, oh, man, did you have to land there? Um, You know, was there not any hope that you could do something else? But, again, that's also youth. You know, they want fast money. They want results. It doesn't matter what they got to do. They don't have to do anything, but that's what they want. They want a whole bunch 
for doing nothing. So, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the, the desperation to me, I guess, was a little surprising for me because my thing is if you know you all of that, go someplace else. Draw your crowd someplace else. Make somebody else some money. You, I went there, asked for my job. You don't want to give me my job, I'm out. I'm not begging you whether you got one hour or five. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not begging you. So, you know, this is this 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 was interesting even how she ended up there. Now, I want to push this forward, you know, to the end because I do want to talk about some church folk stuff because I think there were some real key things in this um, these two episodes especially the first episode, but, you know, so the, the, the cliffhanger to the first um, uh, episode was the fact that there was a guy in the chapel when the husband was in the chapel and with the daughter, and he asked, you know, can I pray for you? Now, I'm a little different. You, you, I, I, ain't no stranger walking up to me to my can I pray for you. Okay, but in any event, you walk up, you pray. He says yes. The gentleman prays for him. The cliffhanger, the same gentleman um, actually walks up to um, Danita, who is still comatose at this point. Well, she's sleeping or something, whatever. And he puts, yeah. no, she was comatose. She put, he puts her hand, his hand on her belly, puts his hand on her forehead. He prays for her, and she comes out of the coma, and she says, who are you? He says, I'm your son. Okay, so that's how it ends. Now we're into episode two. So she has, you know, she's up, she's talking, and she's actually talking to the husband. And I'm going to jump to the point where she asks him, you know, he, he's clearly he's told her about the messed up relationship, some of the stuff he's done, how he's, you know, tried to commit suicide and blah, 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 blah. So they've been honest with her. And I find it very interesting, Ainsley, that you said that he, you think that this is all a ploy of this amnesia. That was very interesting. But, you know, he clearly tells her the truth. He's being honest. He's being upfront. And he then asks, she asks him, was I a good wife? And he ultimately mm-hmm. says no. And I was like, wow. And she says, but yet you're still here. I want to talk about that for a little bit. Um, Ainsley, I'll start with you. Yeah, I'm over that part. Okay. Um, yeah. Because um, <laughs> she, cause she can't remember stuff, so she's nice right now. So he said, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a good thing to keep being honest because I think, I think I'm just guessing there's going to be some drama when she reveals she knew what was going on, and she I can't wait when she gets back as uh, what's her name Sasha told him you want me to get to sign a record comp- record contract, but <laughs> I think that part, um, yeah because she was she was she was you know she had her ways about her, but right now she's playing the humble I'm trying to I'm trying to recover mode and she's nice now like she's even she was even nice to rebel. Did some nice things to Rebel when she saw her, and everything is nice now, you know. But if she goes back to her old ways, uh, uh, old ways and stuff, who knows? 
the the bishop he he might want to go kill himself again. He, you know, it's like all back to the same old situation. <laughs> Shanti, you know, do you, know, you think this is a ploy? Wait, hold on. Do you think this is a ploy? Shanti, she's faking this amnesia. No, and I don't think she. I mean, even though it was like, please go back to being me because acting wasn't as bad when you're me, but. I don't think it was a ploy, especially when she was speaking to Rebel. One of the main things that was in my mind was like, wow, this is really how you feel. You really feel like she's beautiful. She must be talented. She, But because you have so much venom in you and because you're so angry, all of those other things is all that people were able mm, to see. Wow. And it's almost like being drunk. It's almost like being drunk. You know, when you're drunk, how you really feel comes out. Ain't no faking. Ain't no ploy. Whether you're nice, whether you're, you're fighting, whether you shoot somebody, whether you want to give your money away, this is how you really feel. And I, that, that's what was really sick in there. And I found it really interesting, and I loved it, but I found it really interesting how when she first acted as good wife, the husband pretty much tried to, like, smooth it over. And then I guess he figured, wait, I'm done with the lies. No, you weren't. No. And it wasn't, I'm not saying, I'm not telling you the truth to hurt you. I'm telling you the truth because enough already. Like, enough with all of the pretending. Our whole marriage started with pretending, started with image. So I'm not going to now allow this image to continue to go on with allowing you to think that she was a good wife. And then when she asked, but yet you're still here, yeah, because remember at the end of last season, he really started to tell her how he felt. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, this may have been how we started, but I actually really love you. And I really want us to put all this image, forget your father and what he wants to do and how he wanted to make me the bishop of the church and you, this big old grand woman in the, in the Christian, you know, um, music world and all that. Okay, well, that's great. But I would love for us to get down to, like, regular average people who have a marriage, who's able to fix it and able to live an authentic life. And I love the way that went when he didn't just straight out come, you know, just say no. But it was just like, no, wait, what am I doing? No, you weren't. And yes, I'm still here because we really need to make this work. All right. I want to ask you something, Brother Ames. The dynamic Mm -hmm. between... uh, the pastor and the husband and Caesar, when they wanted to get him out of the, the hospital, but yet he says, no, you know what? You take all the time you need. What did you think about that? Um, I thought it's like, okay, it's almost like the enemy the enemy of how you, how do you call them? the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So like they both Caesar and him, they both got issues with Anita's parents. So it's like they both got issues with them. So instead of kicking them out, he was like, "Listen, <laughs> you stay a little bit, man. You know what I'm saying? Because she in a coma. What's going to happen now? Um, you know, because um, at that point, you know, um, she." Um, no, she wasn't out of her coma yet, and so it was like, okay, well, it's, you know, 
you know, you know, whatever you need, take the time to do whatever you need, you know, to, I think, I don't see nothing wrong with that, so to speak. I think he's kind of growing up a little bit, you know. I mean, like, he didn't have his affairs and stuff like this. At least he can allow, um, you know, maybe have his last words or thoughts or what the case may be. So I thought it was kind of, I thought it was, I thought that was all right, you know. Loretta okay, Devine, okay. uh, the, the grandma said she she ain't gonna like it. She was, I know she wasn't gonna like it, but you know. <laughs> Actually, absolutely, she's not going to. She's not going to um, like this. Um, I'm going to leave a little more for the viewers to go back and and look at. I want to talk about some church folk stuff because I think there's some real interesting um, stuff that's going on here, and I'm going to pull up Pastor KL in a second. Um, There's an issue with this. Now that they haven't told, the Taj has not told his family, or his grandparents at least, that the girlfriend is married. I'm, I'm sorry, the girlfriend is pregnant. And she, <laughs> she, you know, talks him, talks to him about the fact that, you know, you need to marry her. And I know this is a huge thing for the church, this image thing. Um, you know, if you, if you come up pregnant, you know, it, it's married. And even in 2023, you know, we're still, you know, we still got people who still believe that image is everything. And it doesn't matter, you know, what the truth is, you know, go ahead and make this look good. You know, you both have talked about the fact that this is what sparked Danita, you know, her daughter and the husband. You know, this all started off as some the look, you know, the way things look. And they're still pushing this agenda as to how it looks. And I want to talk about this for a minute. And, and this is what I'm going to um, include Pastor KL on because this is there's, there's several areas in this episode where it's all about image. And this is one of the areas where I really wanted to talk about because, you know, what are we doing to our young people these days when, you know, we're forcing them to get married? And I'm going to start with you, Shantice, for a quick minute, um, you know, with this whole you need to get married thing. Well, first I want to say, the grandmother had me dying when she said, ain't nobody had to tell me she's pregnant. When's the due date? Because <laughs> uh, that was a straight, straight black grandmama response. Like, don't talk to me like I'm stupid. I know what's going on despite you trying to hide it. But if Taj is paying any attention, he would see that she's now trying to breed a duplicate of his parents. Like, are you mm-hmm. not sitting in the hospital because of what? What this is what the product of image. Your father wanting to take his life because of decisions he's made. Your mother is being wicked because of decisions she's made, and all of this stems because neither one of them were happy 
in this arranged marriage. So now you're allowing her to push you. You already didn't even want to be with the girl anymore. Right. And then you found right. out she was pregnant. You know, like, are you not paying attention to any of this? And it, it really does say a lot for how it's still sad that, like you said, this is still being pushed in the church today. But it's like the the young people, everybody likes to talk about how they woke. I'm woke. Ain't nobody woke. Because there's no <laughs> way I'm sitting in the hospital because this is a product of living within an image that nobody, the, you as the son and your sister as a daughter, y'all not even happy with the image that has been portrayed all of these years, and y'all have been having front row seats to all of the mess that has been spilling out from your parents because they're living this image lifestyle. And it's sad that no one has enough guts to really stand up and say, I'm not doing that. Yes, this is a predicament that I'm in. No, I don't want to have a child out of wedlock. I don't even want to be with this girl. But this ain't the way to do it. No, everyone mm. still follows her. Yeah. You know, Pastor Kale, good morning. Are you talking to the mute button? Good morning, how are you? I'm um, well, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm well. Good, good, good. You know, we're talking about this image thing, and, and unfortunately, as I said, you know, here it is in 2023. We're still trying to push this agenda across the table. You know, you've made a mistake, or however you want to look at it, and, you, you know, now you're with child, and still it's about the image of the church. How is this a downfall, or do you see it? as a downfall of the church? It, it's definitely a downfall because it, in, in, instead of, and, and I don't know, I think stuff backfires because people think that they can cover up the sin and eventually it, it gets exposed anyway because you get married mm-hmm. and then once they start counting the months of when the child gets here, right. people start to realize that you got pregnant before you got married. So while you're trying to cover this up to show face, eventually, okay, now you're married, but guess what? They're still talking about you because they're still talking about the thing that, that happened that you tried to cover up. You can't cover up a baby. You know, if you can count well, you're going to figure out that you only got married because of the baby. And, and, and again, pe- people are trying to look good. A lot of folks in the church want, want to look the part. They... they Stay in marriages. They don't get divorced. They, they, they do a lot of things because what are the people going to say? But here I am miserable. Here I am miserable. Here, here I am out of the will of God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when you're that miserable in a relationship, trust me, at some point, you are out of the will of God. Mm-hmm. So here I am out of the will of God. You know, I, I, I heard you talk about um, earlier when you said that the young lady went back to the pole and she looked a little crazy. Now, now, this might sound crazy to you, but but when you try to go back to what you, to, to what you did or what you knew, you lose that anointing or you lose that that talent. That talent is not there anymore. You ever seen right, a preacher right. try to come back? He's lost mm-hmm. that anointing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So here you are thinking because you was the top notch that you still got it. But no, you've lost that. Well, listen, when when God mm-hmm. delivers you or takes the taste out of your mouth, if you go back. 
you're going to regurgitate that thing because, listen, if you stop drinking Pepsi and then all of a sudden two years later you drink a Pepsi, you don't have the same taste for a Pepsi anymore. Mm-hmm. 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 No, I mean, no, it doesn't sound weird at all. Because you're right, that's exactly why it did not look good. And throughout the the rest of the episode, there were periods where, you know, she was forced to think. You know, when when there was a, a, a scene where she, there was this, the, the pastor goes back to the strip club or wherever they were, and, you know, he talks about, you know, you don't belong here. You know, all of you who are in here, we're, made, we're better than this. And he looks at her as he's being kicked out, and he says to her something to the effect of, you're better than this. And you see her kind of mm-hmm. thinking. And you could tell, you know, that this is what she's feeling. It's, it's off. Like you said, Pastor Kel, it's, it's, it's lost now. I don't have that same enthusiasm yeah, the enthusiasm to get that money is one thing, but that enthusiasm as you're on the pole, it it is gone. It is lost. She didn't even look the same, and that's why it looked so bad. I agree with you. No, it didn't sound weird to me. It is exactly what happened. She was a mess, if you will. You know, it, it, other people may not say it to that degree, but I agree. It was like, okay, well, every time they showed her in there, when when they when they gave the shot of her bed and she, I was like, is that her body? Because it don't even look the same. You know, like the whole thing was just off. So, you know, we're talking about the downfall, you know, of the church because of these arranged situations. Uh, Brother Ainsley, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I agree with um, I agree with y'all. You know, because you know it's, it's already pressed upon. The, uh, the image, you know, we have to portray the look, um, despite no matter, no matter what, how ugly or stuff is really going on. And sometimes, you know, it's easier just to put on this facade like everything is okay, and it really isn't. And, you know, um, I really think that's, that it, re- it really is an area um, that should be better. You know, and I, you know, and just and, and and it goes across um, a lot more, maybe not as serious as you know pregnancy, but other other areas too. You know what you wearing. You know, um, you be wear you go wear something something modest at one church, but somebody another church is like, oh, that that's that's unacceptable. You know what I'm saying? Um, your hairstyle or you know, the style of your clothes and whatnot. I'm not talking about being revealing. I'm talking about even the style of clothing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How you hair you uh, how you hair you dress and whatnot. You know, I'm uh, even years ago, y'all know I, I used to have dreadlocks, but it took me a long time to decide before I even went that way because I already know, okay, this is somewhat look back then, it's starting to be a little bit more out of the norm and whatnot, you know. So it's always this image, you know, uh you you know, that you try to uphold consciously and sometimes subconsciously, you know. So I think it, just, it comes down to uh, teaching. Now that we know this issue, training and issue, let people know, no, 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 no. Don't hide it. We got to face our issues. We got to face this. This is what, this is how, this is how, this is what it really is about, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, talking about 
speaking of facing your issues, so now you have, and I've been waiting for this um, ever since last season, but they finally show Danny's parents approaching the pastor about the fact that, you know, you funeralized her, um, you know, you memorialized her, you've... um, talked about her you said you didn't know her when we spoke to you you had never met her and now we find out that not only did you know her but you had a relationship with her you're the pastor and you know you don't we don't forgive you for this one this one was big for them because now that their daughter is dead they're now losing twice as far as they're concerned because they're the thought is we lost our daughter to the lifestyle we didn't know she had. We lost a daughter with, a, with, with being murdered. And now the very pastor we trusted, we find out that he's been lying. He actually knew our daughter when he said he didn't, and he actually had a relationship with her. So now he's trying to apologize at this point. And, like, what do you do? What do you do more than or other than apologize pastor Kale. let's talk about how we face our issues you know there was this there was this word that came from deacon kirk that said you know you can't atone for your sins dead you try to commit suicide you cannot atone for your sins dead you've got to uh, you know make it right in the living well here it is he's faced with it now he has no other choice he can run but you can't hide and now the parents are standing up in front of him the mother just smacked him and and the whole nine yards how do you get through this whole hurdle of issues i i i think that that the apology is, is the first you know, I think that that's the admittance that yes, I was wrong, that I lied. You know, what I'm saying is it, the first. You know, if, if I often say, if you face it, God can fix it. But you have to be able to face it first. And now, now that it's in your face, you have to say, yes, it was me. You know, I apologize. You know, I, I know I should not have done it. You know, so it's it's it, it's almost as a point of repentance. You know what I mean? To, to let them know that I apologize. I, I did not mean for, for this to, I didn't mean for her to die. I won't say I didn't mean for this to happen because if you're in a relationship, then 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 obviously you meant for that to happen. You know what I mean? But but I, I do apologize. So I, I think the first the first thing of, of, of healing for either side is the apology. Because sometimes, you know, the people want you to admit it for the closure in their life. Absolutely, absolutely. Shantice, you know, how do you face all of this? You know, he's now, he can't run from the parents anymore. He's been, you know, he didn't try to kill himself before he could have to face the parents. But now God didn't allow that to happen. What happens now? Mm-hmm. I agree definitely the sincere, humble apology. Um, and we know that initially that ain't going to phase nobody. But, you know, when they're a little calm, and then maybe when they go home and after they're still yelling and cussing or whatever, you know, you think, well, 
how how did he apologize? You know, how sincere did that apology? And unfortunately, a lot of times that apology still has to sink in because there's like damage on top of damage on top of damage. It would have been bad enough had initially they found out that, okay, my daughter had this lifestyle and you were one of the men that she was sleeping with, you know, for money. You know, that, but because there's been so much time and because you were at the hospital acting sympathetic, oh, gosh, and then because you did the funeral, oh, gosh, it's like so much on top. I think another thing that he can do um, and that he started at the end of the episode that would help the parents to see, in addition to him still, you know, sending apologies, because sometimes, like, saying it once but now devoting your life to making that right. So it was really bold for him to go back to that gentleman's club and speak to all these higher-ups because this stuff is for real. You know, you, you got, and this is why things like this is so hard to shut down because look at the higher-ups who are involved, the judges, the commissioners, the this, the that. And now go speak to them. It's bigger than just talking to the women because the women wouldn't have the opportunity to do this if the men were not facilitate these places, you know, keep these clubs open. These clubs stay open because those men frequent there. They spend their money there. So if I now, one of who used to be one of them, go back and get in their face and let them know, like, okay, hello, because this is dwarfing my face. You want this to blow up in your face? Do you really want to be responsible for another one of these young ladies dying? You know, you, you then go to show them then that I, I understand that it's more than just a verbal apology that has to be handed to you. I now have to make this, and, and you know, with God's approval, this has to be my life's work now. So now I start blowing everything up. Because I was able to get out. You know, unfortunately, Danny wasn't. I was able to get out. So now I have a level of responsibility where I have to kind of expose everybody and everything if that means that this is going to save another life if that means that this is going to disable you and a one-eyed man from making money off these girls then that's what I'm going to do and and the parents are going to now see that Mm, interesting very interesting and very true Uh, brother Ainsley we're talking about you know the, the apology side, you know, what you have to do to make things right. Well, let's talk about the opposite side of this, the forgiveness factor. You know, there you have parents who've lost their daughter. They can't blame anybody for that, but they can definitely look at this pastor and say what Shantish just said. Well, if it weren't for you men who were buying up the business that these girls were throwing out here, then, you know, they wouldn't have this, you know, option. You know, how do you forgive? You know, what do you say? How do you move? What do you do? There are some things only God can really help you through because, you know, I think that's one of the worst things um, an adult will have to do is, first of all, having to deal with their own child passing along, dying, but then in the manner of dying, like, as far as the show is concerned, with all the deception and deception from a pastor and lying to you right in your face, that's a whole lot to unpack, you know. And, you know, you know, you can see why maybe somebody want to leave the church, or at least that fellowship, 
uh, mm-hmm. because of that. And but you know, just dealing with the loss of a child uh, alone, but in the manner that this is, you know, um, again, this what you know. One thing, it, it, there is where our faith and really true faith um, comes into play. Because they could, you know, I believe to me, there's one point where you could be like, listen, I am upset. I'm mad at this person. I'm mad at this situation. Um, and it could be now. I could, now I may know at some point in time, I have to forgive. I may not be there right now, but I know at some point in time, I'm going to have to. I'll have to get to that point. And it's only through time, you know, some prayer and, you know, some people have to pray for me because, you know, I couldn't understand if the father, he wanted to put his hands on the bishop, you know, being partly responsible for his daughter's death, you know. So the bishop, he lucky he's still alive from that from that meeting. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's where our faith comes in, you know, to a good to a certain degree. If you understand, if you know, then look, at a certain point, I'm going to have to forgive this person at some point. You may not be able to do it now. Nobody says you got to do it now. But at least at some point, you know, you got to get there. And, and yeah, so it's good to, to hear the apology. But, you know, when you hear something, you know, the words are weak. It's like it's empty. It's your action that speaks louder than words, you know. Um, so this will be his calling to to try to atone for what he, for what he did. But forgiving? That's going to take some time, you know. I, I can't believe, I don't think any of us can really, you know, fathom if that was our particular situation. You know, can we really forgive wow. somebody responsible for your child's death? You know, it's like, yo, um, <laughs> well, it's going to take a, a minute. <laughs> That, and uh-huh. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that, Brother Ainsley, because I'm going to throw this question out to you, Pastor KL, and I, I want to talk about, you know, there's a real reality, and I'm going to say it like that. There's this real reality to this um, predicament, and, you know, just certain things are just so hard to swallow, uh, to use your words, Brother Ains, you know, we can't even begin to think of forgiveness. Woo! Pastor KL. How do we know we have time to sit back? This is a tricky question. How do we know we have time to sit back and get get that time in? Okay, you know what? I can't forgive right now, but, you know, in, in, in due time, I'll get there. Is that Russian roulette? I, I, I think it is. And, you know, we often say that, that the forgiveness... It's not for them, it's, but it's for you. You know, I, I marvel at, at, at some of the uh, judge things that I see, and uh, people uh, murder their children, and all of a sudden the mother or the parent, when they ask them do they want to speak, and they get up and they say, I forgive you. You know, in, in, in spite of, of, of the loss that I've taken, I forgive you. You know, because a lot of times, if you don't forgive, listen, that person has moved on with their life has probably forgot about this whole situation and you are keeping this thing in your bosom and it's eating you away because you can't let it go. So now you've lost, you know, you've lost your loved ones, but you're keeping the hurt, not so much the good memories, but the hurt of, of, of how she went off, you know, and, and the person who has hurt her or who has contributed to her demise is living. 
without a care in the world. You know, he might have cared for that moment that you faced him. But now years later on, he's living, she's living their best life. And you are still holding on to this, still holding on to this hatred. And, and it's eating you away. And it does not allow you to love anybody else, to open up to anybody else. So, so, so your whole ministry has been depleted, has been killed. Because if God sends you someone who's hurting, you can't minister to them because you have so much malice in your heart. So it hurts you. Mm, all right, I'm coming back to that in my closing. Coming back to my closing because this, this is this is a real, real tricky spot to be in, and which takes me to back to to episode one that I wanted to. So it's interesting how we get here. The bishop, the the father to Danita, who can't stand the pastor who says, like, if he pretty much, if he could kill him, he would. You know, he there's this, this real hatred. Now, you're the bishop, and you've got this real despising feeling toward your daughter's husband. And at one point, he even says something to the fact of, you know, you might have wanted to even hang yourself. Maybe you should have tried that instead of trying to kill yourself or shoot yourself. <laughs> you really should have tried hanging yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, look who we're talking. We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about the people in the church. We're talking about higher ups in the church. Shantice, what are we talking about here? This degree. Not only are you a bishop talking to you know, anyone, but another pastor, another bishop, but you're the reason for all of this. Had you let the woman marry the man who really loved her, she wouldn't have been living angry. And no one, you know, no one wants to think about how they play a role in the horrible things that happen. You're ready to sit back and take the credit for the money coming in at the church, the money coming in at the label, but you're not thinking about how because you arranged this marriage, neither one of them were happy, and when you're unhappy, you're going to make a whole lot of horrible decisions. So now you're spewing out all this hate where you need to be asking for forgiveness yourself, but yet you're not willing to give any type of forgiveness to this man. Yes, he did something wrong, but he needs to be asking for forgiveness as well. But people, a lot of times, they, we're just so accustomed to just holding on to things and spewing out hate that we're not analyzing anything or we're not listening to anyone. Because had anyone looked at his face, despite what he did, because like the daughter even said, I know you're mourning right now too, but just please leave me alone right now. And that's because there was still a level of sympathy and empathy that she was having, despite how she felt. But when you're just with this whole unforgiving attitude, you're still spewing <laughs> out hate when you should be showing some level of compassion. So I, I think if, if uh, going along with what Pat said, if we just take the time to really just sit back and look at the whole situation in itself, we will see that even when we want to have a hard heart, we'll feel how God is softening our heart. Because you can sit there and you'll be determined, like, no, I don't want to say hi, I don't want to do nothing. But you'll literally feel God melting that from your heart because he's showing you not only that you should be forgiven, but why 
you should be forgiving the person. Mm, good stuff, good stuff. Brother Ames, you know, when he delivered this yeah. line, talk about acting. You would have thought that this was something he really <laughs> felt. Because it, mm-hmm. I thought Shantis was going to say this, but just the look on his face, you could, I mean, mm-hmm. this was felt. This wasn't just a line being delivered. You would have really thought that this was something that he was experiencing for real. And maybe even had to go back into a point in time when he did feel like this, if he did feel like this. What are we saying for, you know, this this level of, you know, this is... Bishop and pastor, and whoa, this is deep. You know, I hear what y'all saying. You know, um, I kind of, I hear what you're saying. I agree with you, but I kind of see a little, a different little dynamic here. First of all, you first of all, you talking about um, the pastor married is Louis Gossett. You talking old school acting right there. So you know, he delivers song. If you remember his acting back in the day, you know, oh, that's yeah. how he do top notch. <laughs> Absolutely. Top notch. You know, you're you going to deliver it. But in the context of the, you know, context, to me, he is feeling the anger the same way that the girl who died's father is. It's his daughter now possibly dying at the hands right, because right, of this right. guy. He right. feels the same thing that, you know, and, you know, um, to me, you know, to me, I'm, it, it didn't happen to your kid, somebody else responsible. To me, there's anger. You know, uh, but I think I don't care what your position is, pastor, bishop, whatever the case may be. I think everybody's gonna be angry, but mm-hmm. you know, at some point in time, okay, like even when the loss, there's a the, the mourning period. There's, there has to be some time to be like, okay, when common sense kicks in, where okay, um, your faith kicks in more. You know, you you, you calm down. The, the the temperature of the, of the of the moment calms down. You get more to yourself, more rationale, thinking can come into play. Then you like, then you get to the point. Okay, all right, wait a minute. Um, you know how you have to move forward. At some point, you got to move, you, you you more so have to forgive, particularly the bishop because he should know better, right? But I definitely understand the anger um, because even though he may have played a part in it, um. Though Donita and and um, the bishop getting married, you know, but know that he's possibly responsible for her possibly dying. Um, definitely, I definitely can see that. Definitely get that. To me, that was a like straight normal, normal reaction, normal reaction for you know for you for whatever happened to your child. Your child. So um, right. I, I think eventually it would you know they would get to a point of or maybe forgiving. But that immediate reaction right there, and it looked like if he wasn't in a wheelchair, he was, right. He would have gotten up and done it himself. On. That's right. Uh, yeah, Absolutely, yeah. I agree. Which is why I said if the if the introduction or the segue was very interesting because I I wanted to I said earlier I wanted to bring up some a couple of things that happened in episode one and we ended up talking about the parents 
approaching. And yet, I agree with you 100%, which is why this was a perfect um, uh, segue, is because we're talking about now, you know, Louis Gossett Jr., he's sitting watching his daughter possibly fade away like this other parent, these other parents are looking at. I'm going to ask you, Pastor KL, you know, Brother Ainsley said, you know, I'm looking at the position, and the position pretty much shouldn't matter. You know, you, you, you're human, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's feelings, and this is what you feel. And my question to you is, as a bishop talking to another bishop, um, should there have been something different that took place, despite the fact that we're human, um, despite the fact that they were alone, <laughs> you know, where you may have been able to say, well, I, you know, I ain't got to pretend now. I can say because it's just, remember, he didn't ask the, um, for Shantisa and, and, and Brother Ainsley. He asked the wife to excuse him so he could kind of be alone, so he could say what he wanted to say. But do you think that there should be a difference um, because of his position? Well, yeah, but but I mean, can, can I, excuse me, because I'm trying to follow this thing. So I hear Ainsley and 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 Shanti saying, you know, the bishop has something to do with the wrongdoing of a marriage. So so then, my question would be this: Is it isn't that you're really angry about that, or that you wish I killed myself that you can cover up your stuff? Because you got some blame for it. So 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 since you have some blame for it as well. If you just killed yourself, then I can blame it all on you. I wouldn't have to okay, take so it. Wait, so, okay, so let me, so wait, wait, wait. Let me stop you so I can make sure I clarify this. Okay, so okay. The, the Lord Gossett Jr. Uh, role is Danita's, which is Yolanda Adams' father. Mm-hmm. He was the one, mm-hmm. the two parents were the ones mm-hmm. that set up this whole marriage between the pastor and Danita, and right. they don't like him. They don't like the son-in-law, right. and and they're right. blaming the son-in-law for why Danita is where she is. So there's all this hatred that's being spewed out, and this level of unforgiveness for where Danita is. Because had had the son-in-law not tried to kill himself, then Danita wouldn't be sitting up in ICU now with the bullet in her that should have been in you. And I wish the bullet ended up in you because you would be dead. And, you know, as a matter of fact, you should have tried to hang yourself because maybe you would have been a little more successful at that. So the dilemma here is Shatis is saying, well, yo, how are you so mad at your son-in-law for the relationship and the dynamic between your daughter and and him, when if it weren't for you setting up the relationship, they wouldn't even be here. Ainsley is saying, well, listen, you know, and Shantisa is saying, well, hey, you know, as as a bishop high up, you ain't got no business acting like this. You're not got no business expressing yourself like this. Because of your position. And Ainsley is saying, well, you know what? Even with his position, he's still human. He's still a father who's battling with his daughter, possibly dying. It doesn't matter whether he pretty much arranged it or not. Because you don't think about none of that stuff at this particular point. So my question to you was going to be, even before Ainsley made that statement, was, is it where, okay, we're at a higher level. So we're expected 
to kind of put some stuff on the side and not be human, if you will, and and leave that stuff because we are who we are. This is what, what we have to endure. We have to endure certain things now that we're at higher levels. And even though you're talking to another pastor, you still who you are in this in this rank. So who you know how are you here? Type of thing. Yeah. I, should that matter? I, 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 yeah. I, well. I think that's that's still a dangerous place to be in. You, you, you know what I mean? Because again, you know, if if Angie is married to my daughter and I don't like Angie, it's still my daughter. You know, what I'm saying and, and and though I'm preaching it, it, it's so easy to minister to other people when it's not in your backyard. You know, mm-hmm. David had to encourage himself, but mm-hmm. David went through. You know, when David went to Ziglag, they was ready to kill him. You know what I'm saying? And at some point, he had to still go to God and say, hey, God, you know, what's going on? How could I have done this? I was with them. You know, it, it, it still, when it gets personal, you know, listen, as much as I love God, if, if, if my daughter's and I see you, I'm questioning some things. And, and then, I, I listen, as, as human as I am, I might even, even question God. Oh, how, how could you let this happen? You know, so so from from a, from a human standpoint, yeah, it's, it's kind of rough because all you see is your flesh and blood lay, laying there. You know what I mean? And at any point, she can come on this side or she can go to the other side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. righty. Ooh, this has been some interesting conversation. All righty. Oh, my due time crew, thank you. I hate to, I hate to end this conversation because this is good stuff. This is good stuff. <laughs> My due time crew, yeah. thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray that you have a blessed day. Right, you too, Pastor. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, thank everybody. You, thank you. All All right. Let's get this benediction. Uh, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. First Thessalonians three, twelve and 13. Mm. Let me see something here. This is this this is a tight spot, you know. As, as I said a little while ago, this is tricky. This is tricky. This is a tricky situation. This whole forgiveness thing, when um, when you're going through, and it's so personal. And you know, as Pastor KL said, it's so easy to, you know, look over at someone else and and say, you know, this is what you do. And then when it's you, you're like, oh, my goodness, it's, it's definitely, you know, when the shoe is on your own foot, this is a real, real tricky spot because you're going to have to try to go back to all of that that you have given someone to actually live um, off of, and you're going to have to walk in that yourself and it ain't so easy, you know. 
like like Pastor Kale said, there are, you know, people who um from the beginning, you know, when when they're approaching, you know, the uh perpetrator in their child's death and we've seen it, you know, people say, well, you know what, I don't hate you, I love you, I forgive you. Um, you know, for what you've done and can you imagine the position that that uh, murderer is actually put in? Can you imagine living with yourself when half the time you haven't even forgiven yourself, but yet you've got the parent or the wife, you know, or the husband of, you know, the person you've killed actually looking at you saying, I forgive you, and you can't figure out what happened. You know, this this is something that we have to stay before the Lord for. And I, I'm going to tell you this. We all want to believe we got time. And it's something that God gave me recently about another situation that ended up flowing into this type of a conversation. We have no, and I want to remind every day when I close, later, you know, we used to say years ago, tomorrow ain't promised. We never say that. Later is not promised to anybody. We wake up today and we make plans for next week, next month, next year, and definitely we make plans for today. Not even knowing whether we're going to live out today. Not even knowing whether God is going to, um, you know, allow us to live throughout the rest of the day. Because we don't know today is our last day. We've had people buying and, and getting a phone fixed in, in, in the Sprint store and the car comes through and, you know, loses, the driver loses control and they're dead. They're, all they were doing was getting their phone fixed. They had plans on going home, cooking dinner, you know, maybe going out on a date, whatever the situation is, but yet there's no more life. One of the things we're going to have to keep in mind is we don't know how much time we got. So this, all this, you know, we, we, we need time. We're going to have to work on this thing because I know God understands us. So let, let me just say that. So please do not text me later or think that I'm living in some la-la land. Yes, God does understand who we are. And God understands that some people get over things quicker than other people. I look at my own three kids, and I look at, I look at between, the dynamic between me and my sister and how we've gone through the same thing, but yet I'm over certain things, and she's still carrying it. Or she still carried it for a lot longer. I'm not mad at her. I just understand that I'm just different. I look at my three, and I'm looking at Tamasia has a, a knack of just walk. She just breezed past something. Where Shantisa and Shawnee, they are holding on to this thing, and they've said to her, oh, well, you need to think like this, and you think, need to think like that. And I've had to tell them, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't push into her what you're feeling, what you're thinking. If God has dealt with her on this thing, leave her alone. Don't push what you feel and what you think into her. And I, I get it. You're talking from an older sister. You're talking as someone who loves her. You're talking, you're advising her. But God deals with us differently. So, therefore, forgiveness is different in each and every one of us. You know, at one point, and I've said this all to you before, at one point, you know, I was so angry, but yet I was forgiving. And I said out loud, I said, every time I turn around, I'm always forgiving somebody. Every time I turn around, I'm always forgiving somebody. And God said gently to me, because I made you that way. And I just sat like stunned, shocked, speechless, because I never considered 
that it was a God thing. So based on that and other things, I definitely understand that all of us have a different level of forgiveness, um, time factor. You know, we look at things differently and, hey, it is what it is for each of us. However, let me warn you, because we don't know our last day, you are gambling with that level of unforgiveness and God closing your eyes in that unforgiveness. Now, if this is an area where God felt you could have gotten over this thing and you did not, now, where does that leave you? You have to ask yourself that question because we really don't know whether God is understanding and gave us that pass or not. There are times that we're in the dark. We're just gambling with the fact that, you know, I just need time. You know, they did such and such a thing to me, and it's understandable. If somebody killed one of my three, woo, I can't even imagine how I would be feeling. I can't. Even with, with God saying, I met you that way, I can't even imagine. However, let's go with the reality. We don't know. Do you want to take that chance on God closing your eyes and you have not forgiven in an area where he has deemed it, you should have gotten past that. You really want to gamble that? So from this point on, if you have not considered it, you need to consider, I got to work on this. And I don't mean this air work on it. You know, people love to say, I, I, God, God ain't through me, through me yet. Yo, we don't have the time we think we have. I keep saying to people years ago, people say, oh, you need to get your life together because the Lord is coming back. The Lord may not come back before we die. So I'm not more worried about the Lord coming back than I'm worried about the day God closes my eyes. I want to be there where God expects me to be when he closes my eyes. Because the fact that Jesus is coming back may not be anywhere near my lifespan. So if, as I'm worrying about, well, Jesus is coming back, so i got to get my life together, get my house in order. You better get your house in order because God may close your eyes today. What is God going to say to you? Are you going to be the one that's caught up in that first resurrection who will not have to give an account? Or will you be the one that's left here and on judgment day, you have to stand before God and give an account for everything you do? Because I'm going to tell you something, that I don't want to be that one. Because I can't imagine what I would be saying as I'm on, if, if there was a real line and I'm on that line. And I'm having to try to figure out what I'm going to say to God to beg him to let me in. And my name ain't already in that book. So we better get ourselves together because we don't know when our last day is. So if you've got an issue with forgiveness, understand, you may not have the time that you think you have. Let's get it together so that if God close our eyes before we expect, we'll be on the right side. He can say, oh, well done. Good, my faithful servant, come on in to my right. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. 
is Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew for always coming through big time. Ooh, what a conversation. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity, even if you've given Christ your life, to ooh, draw closer, strengthen that relationship with him, because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Wow Wednesday. Until then, I love you.